Hey everybody, Rich Forney here at the Peak Results Academy podcast. And in this episode, I sit down with Nursh Arul Nayagam, a real estate broker with Remax West Realty in Kleinberg, Ontario. Now, Nursh was named one of the top 100 individual Remax agents in Canada last year in 2019. And in this episode, he shares how he got started in the real estate business, how he got started by door knocking and cold calling and working a circle of influence, all while having a brand new child at home. Now, he also shares his thoughts and his opinions about what the real estate market is going to do in Canada throughout the rest of 2020 and how he is serving his clients through this crisis. So stay tuned. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy. Hey everybody, Rich Forney here for the Peak Results Academy podcast, and I'm very excited today to have um, a gentleman who's been in the industry since around 2012. Um, he is based out of Remax in Kleinberg. Um, we're excited to have today Nursh. He's going to kill me with his last name. Is Arul Nayagam? Very good. I'm not going to kill you. That's great. Hi everyone. Uh, very excited to have you today, sir. It's um. You know, we were talking before the podcast started about why did I want to talk to you? And so I'm going to just talk a little bit about your past production. Um, the reason why we talk about production is that's a metric that we measure in terms of real estate. And um, you can have the most knowledgeable person in the world, but if they're not serving your clients or doing deals, they're not serving people. And you've had the opportunity to serve lots and lots of people over the last five years. So I do want to talk a bit about that. I mean, over the past few years, you've, you've some extraordinary numbers. You hit top 100 in Canada last year um, with Remax, and we want to drill down and figure out what made you do that. Like, what was that magic elixir that caused you to serve so many people? Um, and so, thank you, sir, for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm actually, you know, and I and I asked you the question before this all started. Of why do you even want me? Because I, to me, it's like I'm just a regular guy. And a regular agent uh, who likes uh, like loves this industry and loves to help people. So for me, it's uh, it's an honor to, that you even asked me. Well, thank you very much. You know, we really do want to give back to our industry. And, you know, I think people in other businesses and um, and other spaces can take a lot from the real estate industry because our job is to promote to market not only our properties but ourselves to to expand our reach. And we've had to adjust many times over the course of our careers in terms of uh, technology and email. So I think other people in other industries should be listening to what, um, what you do and how you do it because I think those skill sets, marketing skill sets can um, overlay into other industries. So we're really excited to have you. And I do want to start off a little bit. You're married, you have two children, Yes. So I've been married for since 2011 and been with my wife since 2009. We have two kids, eight and five. And uh, currently, based on the current environment we're in, you know, they're being homeschooled uh, by yours truly and uh, my wife as well. And, uh, you know, uh, we live in Vaughan, five minutes from Kleinberg. My office is located in Kleinberg and, uh, you know, life is, uh, life is good. We're blessed. Everyone's healthy and that's what matters. 
Absolutely. You know, I think for anyone who listens to this podcast, maybe they're listening to it a year from now, I want them to understand the context of where we are today. So we're probably, what, 40 days into um, quarantine, self-isolation, maybe 50 to 60% of our economy is in lockdown today. Yeah. The questions I would be asking you eight weeks ago are completely different today. And, um, but I do want to talk a little bit about your past, um, how you got started in the real estate industry. Um, the transition from where you came from to where you are today is a huge transition. Uh, and so maybe we can start there. You've been sure. around since 2012. Sure. So um, back in 2012, I was working in corporate supply chain. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's uh, purchasing, planning. Um, and uh, so I worked for two big companies for about 13 years. I didn't feel challenged anymore at that point. And I could have kept going, but I was at the point where it's like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, 35 years old. And is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. So my daughter was born in March of 2012. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, she was about two months old. And I said, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. So I said to her, you know, what if I start this part-time and, you know, we'll go full-time eventually if, if it works out. But at the end of the day, I, I think if, I'm at the point of career in my life at 35 years old, it's a lot harder to do it. And as my kid's daughter would grow up, it would be harder to get that time away. And so I went, did the courses. Uh, but back then you only had to do um, three courses to get your license. Uh, and then you have the articling period for the other three months. So in six months I got my license and uh, I tried to do it part-time for a year and you know it took me about my first deal fell apart uh three months in and then I didn't get another deal for 10 months but every weekend I would go door knocking um and then long story short at the company I was at uh, a lot of the in manufacturing in Canada and Ontario a lot of it was transitioning to Asia yeah so that being said my boss said well you know I think I was ready to leave and say okay I'm going to try this full-time and my boss said, well, if you are planning to leave, I think they're going to be moving the manufacturing to Asia. Maybe I can help you get a package if you want to exit. So I was like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. So I had to stay out a little bit longer. And uh, um, and we, I, I didn't tell my wife that I was offered a package. And, you know, that uh, came back to bite me later on. But uh, um, I was offered to stay or take a package. And I, I took the package because I, I was – you know, I've always been a type of sink or swim. So I'm going to go into this 100%. And if I have a little bit of a safety net, that's going to help me in the first few months. And so I got a six-month package. Ended up uh, leaving January 31st, 2014 after doing uh, two deals uh, in 2013 in my first year. And uh, I drove away at 9.30 in the morning from the office. And I was at cold calling at 10.30 at the Remax office. Uh, same day and then i'm like okay well i gotta pay bills i gotta take care of my kids and family and uh you know and the deal with my wife at that point was if it didn't work out in a year and i didn't make money i had to go back to get a corporate job so, wow. like, so, so you know it's interesting so a lot of people when they come to that space of sink or swim they they sink you know they stop like a deer in headlights um right where they all of a sudden brave they make the jump and then they get into the office and they stare at the phone um sounds like you didn't stare at the phone no and you know at, at that point i i hired a real estate coach 
And I had uh, a colleague of mine uh, in the office who he did a lot of cold calling and whatnot. And, uh, you know, uh, between my coach and, and him, I got some mentoring and, uh, you know, he was a very good friend of mine. And we, we basically, uh, you know, helped each other. There's things that I brought into the supply chain from supply chain into there that could help him. And, and he kind of, you know, I followed a, a lot of his lead and started with the cold call and, you know, cold calling, door knocking, and then, you know, calling the center of influence until, you know, I don't know if most people know, but people move every five to seven years. And when they moved to five, seven years, I had just missed a whole bunch of my COI. Uh, for anybody who's listening, doesn't know what COI is, center of influence or sphere of influence. And uh, so I was missing that cycle. So I'm like, okay, I got to go find strangers to help because everybody else has already moved. And uh, so I started cold calling, door knocking, and then going after expired listings. And... Um, once I built that, you know, people started, uh, you know, people would see me and they're like, oh, he's selling this house and he's selling this house. And once I started selling all those houses, people were like, oh, my sphere of influence, you know, would, they were watching on Facebook, I found, and social media. And my wife, thank God, my wife's like, you need to be on social media because I was anti-social media before that. So I would post all my souls and stuff, and then I would start getting DMs from people from high school, um, friends who were thinking about moving, like what did that house sell for? And then it kind of just uh, uh, built from there. I made money, you know, the first year I was at Remax, so I didn't have to go back to um, uh, a, a nine to five job. And then it's just built ever since. I've been blessed that uh, more and more people have given me a chance to help them, and, uh, and that's where I'm at now. So when you look at, let's go back to those days of, the, I call them the pain days. It's called character building, building days when you're, you know, on the phone getting rejected. Um, there's a lot of people who, do, who produce at a certain level, they make it look easy. But, you know, I've, I've learned that private victories turn into public victories later on. Yeah. How many phone calls and how many doors would you knock in a given week? Like, what did that look like? So phone calls, we, I would, so because I came from corporate, uh, you know, going to the office, I was in the office every day, eight 30 after I dropped my daughter off at either daycare or, you know, if my wife was home on maternity leave, I'd be in the office at eight 15, eight 30, cause that's what a normal person would do. And then I realized in this industry that people don't come in the office. Uh, and if they do, they come in 10, 30, 11. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. And so I would make phone calls from about nine o'clock yeah. till about 12 o'clock. And then, uh, you know, get ready for appointments if I, if I had any or go after expireds in the afternoon and, uh, and then go door knocking. So realistically, phone calls, two, 2.50, you know, I, I, we'd have an auto dialing that we were using to, to make calls. So we'd probably call about two, 200, and we try to get about 25 to 50 contacts in a day. Good numbers, really good numbers. And I think that's where... I think a lot of people don't realize how many people you have to communicate on a daily basis to get, to start forming relationships with people. Yeah. It's, it's a numbers game, right? So like three out of a hundred, you might actually get on the phone who have some sort of interest and then it's lead follow up with those people to say, okay, you know, is it going to be a year from the road, down the road, two years, three years down the road, but you keep up with them and you know, they turn into business. And, and I've had that some of them as long as three years it took to, to turn them from a, let's say a postcard or a phone call or a door knock. Um, but then at some point you get to be, you get credibility. That's right. 
I need to go down this road because that's not the norm. Because, you know, 80 to 90% of people leave this industry within the first five years. Um, what was the psychology in your mind to allow you to actually start doing that much activity in the beginning? Because most people, again, will come into the office and look at the phone and not, and, and have this, you know, that thing that just stops them. Like, how did you fill that gap? What was the psychology and where did that come from? Well, it was a psychology of, uh, I had to, I had a newborn, like I had a one year old. I just bought two pre-construction condos actually at the same time and I had a mortgage. So to be honest, it was, I, I've got to provide for my family. I got to provide for my wife and my daughter at the time. And I, I've got to pay the mortgage is what it comes down to. So it's like, if I don't do this and I don't stick and, and push, I, you know, we're either going to go broke or I'm going to have to sell the house and, and, or I'm going to have to go back and get a regular job. And because I had been in that industry for so long, 13 years was a long time for me. So it was the fear of going to be miserable for the rest of my life didn't make me happy, right? Like you can make lots of money. And I was making, you know, uh, I was making about six figures when I left that industry and which most people would be like happy with, but it, it wasn't making me happy. I come home and my wife would even say like, you're in space, like you're not here. And I'm like, cause I'm not happy. And so it was the fear of having to go back to something I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. And, uh, and then I've always been, you know, I'll work 15, 16 hours a day. And I said, if I'm going to work 15, 16 hours a day, I'm going to have an unlimited uh, ability to make money. And in this industry, what a lot of people don't understand is if you put the time in, you can make multiples uh, of money um, and, and, and provide for your family and, and have the things that you perceive to be the nicer things in life. All right. I think Tony Robbins says you, you, you're either motivated by desperation or inspiration. And, uh, you know, I think most of us are actually motivated by desperation and uh, putting ourselves in that situation, burning the ship, just going for it and putting ourselves out there with no life preserver. And I think that is such a motivating thing for somebody, but there are a lot of people when they put themselves in that position, they don't, they sink. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a person of, I'm going to make it and I'm going to make it to the top or I'm not going to make it at all. And uh, for me, it was the desperation of like, you've got to do this. And, and I mean, I had a family and, and overall everything else, never mind awards and all that stuff. I had to provide for my family and put food on the table and pay the mortgage. And that was the most important thing. Was there family that had that same kind of attitude that you were brought up with? Is that, that um, my father, uh, so my brothers are both entrepreneurs as, as well. Uh, they both left corporate jobs and ended up starting their own either consulting or, or uh, businesses. And my father, he was in the corporate world for a while and he eventually, he was vice president of a company which he owned part of the company at some point and him and some of the executives bought the company and then he was pushed out. And so he started his own business from scratch, his own accounting business from, from scratch. So I think because I saw it everywhere else, then I was like, this is how life is. I need to do this. So I think to your point, yes, but my father was always the type of person to play it safe. When I told him I was leaving to go do this, he said, you're crazy. You're getting, because he's an accountant, he said, you're making six figures plus you have benefits. That's like 18% uh, extra double your salary. And I said, but I'm not happy. So who cares about the money? If I'm not happy, I want to be happy. Got it. God, I get, I hear you. I understand that actually. Um, I was in the financial world and I wasn't happy. Um, yeah, 
I life is too short to be unhappy for 30 years of your life. You know, we have the opportunity. We're in a first world country that affords us the opportunity to do things that or to choose what we'd like to do. And um, why, not, why not go after something that you really, really want? You know, you look now in terms of your work ethic. Um, let's keep COVID out of this conversation for now. Um, you know, five years in, seven years in, do you, eight years in now, do you do that every day still? Do you go into the office, at, you know, and, and make those phone calls and door knock and, and mail drop and, and farm properly? Is that part of your vernacular every day? So I do go in the office. I'm still at the office between 8.15 and 8.30 every morning because I don't know how to do anything different. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I go to the gym. Um, you know, me and my wife both work out, so we trade days, but I go to the gym, come home by 7.40, 7.50, take my kids to school. My kids are in school by 8.10. I'm at the office five minutes later or 10 minutes later. So then I'm, am I making phone calls? Yeah, I'm making phone calls, but I'm not cold calling anymore. I don't, uh, I've been blessed now at the point where I don't do a lot of cold calling or door knocking at this point. And, uh, you know, I have an operations manager. She was my assistant. I just promoted her. But she, uh, you know, she pushes me to go door knocking, and I'm like, I don't want to. Uh, you know, I don't want to, right? You're 100% honest. I, I don't want to. But you know, a lot of the calls I make now are warm calls. Uh, I have a lot of investor calls, and uh, you know, so I don't have to make a lot of the uh, cold calls. And because I do about 70% referral in my business now, that a lot of the ones are coming to me. So I just got to do some uh, uh, follow up. And then, you know, she's my right hand at work. So she takes care of everything. Um, uh, you know, once we get a listing, she takes care of, uh, of most of it. So I can do what I love. And, and that makes me happier, actually, because negotiating the paperwork doesn't interest me. But the, you know, the negotiating, the, the, the sales, the helping, that interests me. All right. You look out at our industry. What is that magic elixir between someone who survives and thrives in their industry and someone who doesn't what is that thing that elusive thing that i'd love to find so i can bottle it and, and give it to the world what's the difference work ethic in my opinion it's work ethic because you know there's days especially in this industry the highs are highs and the lows are lows and getting yourself into that office every day puts you in an environment where you can't just stand around and do nothing uh, you know, you, you need to produce, you have to figure out where your next deal is coming from. So it, you got, it's all about mindset and work ethic. So if you get your work ethic correct, where you're going to the office, you have a schedule and you're going to say, I'm going to prospect from nine to 12 or nine thirty to 10, even two hours, or I'm going to go door knocking for an hour or, you know, that's the most important thing I think in this industry to, uh, um, if you're going to bottle up something. I'll let something <clears throat> work ethic mindset. Um, is that something you work on every single day, your mind? Or is that now, you, are you so ingrained that you don't do that work every day anymore? No, no, I, I, I still do. I, I read a lot of uh, books of entrepreneurs uh, that um, they give me motivation to, you know, keep my mindset right and, and keep my work ethic when some days, you know, you want to just like, everybody has good and day, bad days. And I'm not going to say everything is rosy because it's not. And, uh, but, <laughs> It can't be. <laughs> it can't be, right? And anybody who tells you it is, they're lying. And at the end of the day, I, I take uh, I take it very seriously. And, and so I've started to expand my knowledge of, you know, what are the successful entrepreneurs out there doing? And 
in in my mind if I read books and and I never used to read a lot, but now I'm reading more. And I try to get, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes into reading every day in the morning uh, at the office as well before my call starts. So I'm in the right mindset. Um, so, no, I, I do still work on it. And, uh, um, you know, COVID's another story. But, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, we we're having a conversation on uh, before this. But, uh, you know, having a, a, a good mindset is going to get everybody through, through, through this. But on a regular basis, it's, you know, I, I do still work on it. When you look at, let's talk about COVID. What are you doing today to serve your mm, circle of influence today um, to help them through this process? What, like, are you, are you aggressively going out and still trying to grow your database and, and, and communicate with other people or, or have you toned that down a bit? So to me right now is not a time, and I put a lot of stuff out in the social media where I think is a time for all of us is to figure out how to serve our clients in this market. So it's, yes, people need to sell their homes. Let's figure out how to do that safely and, and, and market their homes and do it. I, I, I don't need, it's not about me right now, in my opinion. It's, it's not about self-promotion. It's not about growing my database. It's taking care of my database. Yep. So, um, you know, I'm in touch with all of them. I'm making calls from my very first client and they were so happy actually that I called. My very first two clients were actually sisters. And, and then, I, you know, their uncle had died that morning. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish them condolences, but they were like, we really appreciate the calls. And it was just purely like, I did not talk about supply chain. I, sorry, I did not talk about real estate. Uh, and you know but they end up asking me how are you doing with real estate like there's a bond that's created you know with when you you serve people properly um, and it comes from your heart that they're worried about you uh, as well and I asked them questions do you need anything like at that point I had access to toilet paper and sanitizer and gloves and I offered that to them because that's the only thing right now that we should be doing is taking care of each other uh, you know real estate will come later on if they need something they're going to call me but at the end of the day i want to make sure everyone's healthy and happy so it's not about my database i'm i'm, I'm making calls to people and you know I, I felt at the easter point that everybody was a little bit down and struggling uh, a little bit and you know my wife had a brilliant idea we went for a walk one of our uh, four thousand walks a day and <laughs> Uh, she, she had ordered these cookie kits, Easter cookie kit decorating kits for uh, our kids and a couple of our friends. She's like, you should do that for your clients. And then I'm like, okay. So I called the girl and I was like, she said, how many do you need? I said, maybe 30 to 40. But I have like, you know, probably 200 and change past clients. Uh, not all with small kids. So then I was like, okay. So as the numbers grew, I was like, oh no, they need it. They need it. They need it. And come Easter, I had about 80 of them sent out. And a lot of people were like, in this time, you spent money. People are not spending money. You spend money and, and you sent this out and you brought a smile to my face. And the message that I got in my heart made me feel fantastic because it, it, it brought families together and it, it, it brought them happiness. And that's all I want for people. I want people to be happy. And it may sound corny to people, but uh, the, the message that I got when they were very happy, like some people send me texts, you have no idea how, how much I appreciate this. And that made me feel good. And, and that's all I really want. So no, I'm not trying to grow my database. I'm just taking care of my database. And, and the fact that I could do that for them and it made people happy made me extremely happy. 
It's nice to hear. You know, my experience, I think I told you this before the podcast started, <clears throat> my experience has been with people that are <clears throat> producing at a high level. Um, ultimately, they have a desire to serve to the best of their ability and they want, um, and they want to do a good job. They really do. And, yeah. um, and I think this kind of messaging is really, really important because sometimes our industry, real estate industry, um, can get lumped into some, um, some bad news that sometimes happens in our industry. But my experience has been that people who are producing at a high level are amazing people and who genuinely want to serve to the best of their ability. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm finding when I have conversations with a lot of the top producers uh, in, in our industry, in my coaching program, and uh, that's, there's a clients first and serving first, and then everything else comes later. How much is technology going to, change our industry through this COVID challenge. Um, um, do you see the um, virtual business, virtual purchase um, growing? Or do you think once this tones down a bit, that that's just gonna disappear? I think it's now ingrained in our industry, to be honest with you. I, I, I was never a big believer of the, uh, let me do this 3D tour uh, thing. And I've incorporated into my clients' listings now and anything I've listed in the last couple of, uh, you know, almost two months now or six weeks, I've, I've incorporated that into the tour. So I don't think it's going away. I think it's finding a way to enhance it. But what I think what's going to happen is as our industry picks up and saying this is the new way of doing business, I think clients are going to, uh, you know, the public is going to get more technology and be able to, like, filter a lot of the houses that may not be what they're looking for to save time for them and to save time for us. But they're always, in my opinion, unless it's a condo, I think they're always going to want to walk into that so you can touch and feel how, how a place looks. Because sometimes it's, it's a, most home purchases, unless it's for business purposes, is um, emotional. And you want to make a connection with the home. And to do that, I think most of the time you have to be physical. So I think it's going to play a part. But I don't think, you know, it's going to go, uh, you know, technology isn't going to take over. I think it's going to complement uh, where we are now. So you don't foresee a day where, you know, we don't exist anymore? No, you know what, they've been saying that for years. And I think if right now and people don't realize that contact with other people is very important and we see now that it's been taken away to a certain extent that they want to know rich cares they want to know nurse cares about me and he has my best interest at heart and you can't get that without having an actual relationship signing documents and all that stuff yeah that you know that can you know, that will be around and that'll make our lives easier and their lives easier. But they want to know what your opinion in the house is. They want to know, you know, they want to be able to, to have that face-to-face -face contact with other human beings that aren't their family and, and to, to see in your eyes, like, yeah, I trust this person. Uh, you know, he, he, he's like family to, to us. And I, I think that, no, we're never going to go away in, uh, I think, the people who don't adapt and don't figure out the right way to serve their clients, they're going to go away in, in our industry. Yeah. I you know, you have to meet the consumer where the consumer's at. And that's in what you, what I've seen is that the consumer's everywhere. 
Yes. You know, I have people communicate me with me via Zoom. I have people communicate with me via text, um, Twitter, um, video FaceTime, uh, Messenger. Like, you know, you spread in so many directions and really trying to meet the consumer where they are. And I think the people that meet the consumer where they are within the boundaries of still doing a good job are going to be okay. That's a great way to put it. And you're right. And, and as you said that, I think about it. I'm like, yeah, I get Facebook messages. I get uh, texts, Zoom calls, and uh, FaceTimes. And you're right. You're out, and, and Instagram DMs. And uh, you're right. You have to be able to meet them where they are. So that's a great uh, um, analogy. Yeah. You know, if you were to start today, Nourish, and, and, and let's, let's talk about those new agents today. Brand new agents starting today, right? Yeah. What a fun time. I think there's crazy opportunity in my personal oh, yeah. but, but, okay, let's talk. What, what, what would someone have to do today to start to be here in five to ten years? Like what would those activities look like on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think you've still got to make calls to, you know, I think more warm calls. I think you've still got to be able to do that. But I think what you need to do is harness social media. Yeah and um, build from that because that opportunity, like back in 2012, my wife said, you gotta get on this. And did I help it grow? And, and could I have gotten, listened to my wife and, and done a lot more before? Yeah, I could have. I'm gonna and, take that clip and I'm gonna send it to her. Right there. <laughs> she, she would love that. Uh, but like eight years later, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, the, the players that, that are using social media are, um, they're winning. And if you come into this industry now, you have to, you can't say, I don't like social media. I can't be on camera. I don't like how my voice sounds. You'll be out because that's where the, the, the clients are. They're on social media, most of them. Um, and that's where they get their updates. That's where they get their news. And, and you know, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, that's where they're getting their daily uh, updates from. So you need to be where they are. And that's for, for somebody today, I don't care if you're, you know, 20 um, or you're 40. You need to be on uh, on social media to to survive, in my opinion, because that's how you're going to get. And it's free advertising, right? That's the other thing. So if you don't have a lot of money, it's not like it's kind of like the equivalent of door knocking, but you're hitting a lot of people you may not have hit before um, that will DM you uh, because it doesn't matter because they can hide behind social media and say, okay, how much is that house worth? There's no face-to-face interaction. So it's not as uncomfortable as let's say a door knock would be. Right. hundred percent. What I found is that even, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 46 and um, I don't really watch TV. I don't really watch Netflix anymore. I'm on social media. Just, just flipping my thumb. Yeah. And I'm all over the place, right? I'm following everyone. I'm reading what are they talking about. And that's my enjoyment, which I never thought that would be uh, my enjoyment. And I think that people silently watch you. Yes. Well, they're ready. They're making a decision about you. About you. I feel like I'm Canadian, which I am. I had an American <laughs> yell at me the other day. You sound so Canadian. I am Canadian. <laughs> um, they're making a decision about you privately at home. Do they like you or do they not like you? Do they trust you? Do they not trust you? And unless you're doing something like this, they're never going to know you exist. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. And, you know, I've gotten DMs saying, I'd love for you to help us when we're ready. 
and you don't know me. I've never had a conversation with you. You ask me a couple questions on Instagram, but they see your personality or they, you know, and, and social media is important of, it's not just business, it's family. And they want to know that they can relate to you. And that at the beginning for me was like, well, I don't want to put my family out there, but a lot of my client base are families, just like me with two kids or one kid or, you know, they're, they're in that same demographic. So they want to see that they can relate to you and that you understand what they're going through and what a move of a family with two young children is going to do to their family. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, social media is, 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 they need to relate to you before anything else. So it's fair to say we're, we're a media company now. Yeah. That's not mine. I still have from Gary Vee, but. I think we always have been. I think it's just moving from print uh, to the most part to digital. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, but that's part of it, right? Like how we market our clients, uh, a lot less print, but more, um, you know, in the media, uh, social media. So if they start today, they have to be involved with social media. Um, Is it fair to say that they could be on social media and over time, no one ever reaches out to them? Uh, I think it's fair to say, but I think if you're, depending on what content you're providing. Okay. I think if you're providing the right content that people want to know, okay. I, I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. I think if you're providing, you know, market stats or, or um, you know, where the best places to eat in Toronto are or, or Vaughn or Barry. Uh, you know, if you're providing them something that they want to know, somebody will reach out. I, I, I think that is not a, a factor, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, good. Um, going forward, um, let's just talk a little, just because it's really timely. Um, where's the market going to go? That's a million dollar question, right? Um, here is my opinion, and you know, 95% of the agents might disagree with me okay uh, so you know i have an opinion man just it, i want to know honestly I, I do want to know i think a lot of people you know a lot of our listeners are real estate people all over uh yeah. now we have australia listening we have portugal we have yeah us you know all the way to vancouver starting to listen so what's your opinion okay so here's my opinion i think that a lot of people think this is like 2017 and the big factor difference between 2017 uh, is unemployment. And even in 2000, so I think it's a, fact, a combination of 2018, 2017 and 2008 when we had our, the financial crisis, but a lot worse. Um, if you notice what happened in the States, they had three, four years where it took to get back to some sort of normalcy, but they had different issues because we didn't have the banking issues they did. We had unemployment, unemployment started to rise, government pumped $50 billion into the economy. And by, you know, six, seven, eight months later, we were starting to move again. And, you know, our banking system was solid. So our market started to move again. 2017 was a whole different story. 2017 was government induced. But if you look at both of those timeframes, they didn't have as high unemployment as we do now. We hit, we lost a million jobs in March. Uh, we're at 7.8%, I think, as of last week on unemployment. A million, uh, I think 5.6 million Canadians applied for the CERB. Seven now. Seven, okay, so seven million people. So we have 38 million people in this country. And I think that when people realize how many people are suffering right now, 
that is going to have a big effect on our market. And so to answer your question of where the market's going to go, I think right now there's very low inventory, like we were talking about before. We're somewhere between 69 and 74% in sales down last month. Uh, prices haven't really gone down. But if you lower inventory and you lower your, your uh, buyers, you know, yeah, of course the sale, the prices will stay where they are because this is the only choice that they have. But once you let the, you know, the floodgates open, the supply will come back. So you had all those people from middle of March, April, May, let's say we get back to July, June, who are putting their houses on the market. Then you got some people, unfortunately, who've lost their job and aren't getting it back and they have to sell. So I think when you have all of that supply come, you have buyers who've been penned up, but at the same time, some of those buyers said, you know what, this is a, a wake up call for us financially. We don't need to stretch ourselves to buy that bigger house. We're going to stay where we are. So let's pull, you know, 15 to 30% of the buyers out of that market now. 30% of the people might have lost their jobs. So one, if they try to sell their house and buy a new one, they can't get a mortgage because they, it was two incomes before, right? And then you got the buyers who are all solid. Everyone's good. You know, they're doing okay. They're going to come back. But then you have an increased supply, in my opinion, and a lower buyer pool, you know. And then there's fear. What's going to happen to the economy? Is it going to crash? You know, so I think what, what we're going to see is you're going to see price. Um, uh, you're going to see some price uh, issues um, where it's downward pressure, is my opinion. And I think you're going to see somewhere in the 10 to 15 percent uh, uh, price reductions. Um, now, the question is, is that based on February's numbers where they were 10% up from October? Or is that based on, uh, you know, October's numbers? And I think that's a hard number to say. I, I, I think you're definitely giving back all of what was came back in January and February. Whether you give back more of that, I don't know. I, I think our fundamentals are so strong, but I think you'll see 10 to 15% uh, price pressure because some, people, some of those people have to sell now. They, they bought a new construction home um, or they, 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 they bought a, a resale home and they have to sell. So at some point you're going to have to give up what, you know, the extra that you thought you were going to get um, and give it back. So I think based on supply and demand, my opinion, and it's just my opinion, and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I think you're going to see downward pressure on prices and, and there's not going to be a confidence in the market. Uh, for about 12 to 18 months because if you look at 2017 which was all created by that foreign buyer tax and fear media fear it took till 2019 before things went exploded 28 20 sorry 2020 2019 people started to say okay it's not that bad but all 2017 the market went down 2018 it was still kind of coming down till about i would say you mean volume volume yeah sorry volume and you know i i would say not until 2019 did people start to get their confidence back. Yeah, you're right. You know, so when I look here, so we started going back to multiple offers up in Simcoe County, probably late September, October, 2019. Yeah. And, um, especially under that sub 500 mark up here. Oh yeah. And, um, and then it took off like wildfire again, up until, you know, March this year. You know, and I think you made an interesting point when someone says 10 to 15% drop in terms of average resale price, what are they measuring that against? Was it 
January of 2019 numbers? Was it December 2019? What number, what metric is being used? And this is a challenge I find in our, in our industry that a lot, of me, a lot of numbers are thrown out, you know, and, and what's the context? And, and I firmly believe, I used to, listen, I always thought we'd be out. They need us to interpret the numbers because whatever metric someone's delivering to the public, you have to be able to look at that metric and say, does that make sense? For example, average resale price means nothing. Yes. It means nothing, but it's a number, right? The number sounds good. Well, the average resale price is up 3%. What does that actually mean? Nothing. Maybe there was a $2 million property that sold here, skewed the price up on average. It means nothing. And this is where I get frustrated with the industry itself. Um, I think we're, we are missing the fact, not, not us, but you know, we have if this continues on and it's a delayed reopening, um, if you're into that three, four, five month window, um, we will have to see a readjustment of pricing across the board. Yeah, and that's where I agree. I mean, you know, you look at it, we've been mid-March, we're already end of April, May, June, that's three and a half months. And some businesses, unfortunately, they're not surviving. And uh, yeah. uh, that's a concerning, like restaurants and, and the rents are between five and 20,000 a month. And some of these retail places, they can't, can't sustain being closed for this, this much longer and uh, with no revenue and, and putting food on their table. And, and you're right, the longer this goes on is, is, is really where the price adjustment is going to come into uh, into effect. So I kind of assume we're going to be here till the end of June. And that's kind of where I make my, um, my numbers. Because uh, even if you look at it with us, you know, I have a five and eight year old. How much work can I go out and do while my wife is working full time? Uh, if I've got to watch them and they don't go back to school. Right. So you, you know, that's more money that I'm not pumping into the economy. Uh, you know, through my, you know, my contractors, my painters, my stagers, my photographers. And then you look at every other business, you got the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think right now the really good agents are going to um, do a really great job. Um, I know it sounds a little bit gloomy and doomy, but I think you have to look at what's real and what's not real. You know, our job is to look at what's real and not to make it bigger than what it is or less than what it is. Right now, I feel that some of us are making it less than what it actually is. And what it actually is, is that we have an extreme outside event that has put a stop to our employment, um, to uh, not just us, I mean, the entire economy slowed down. And I think that as agents, we have a, a responsibility to, to help our clients through this process. And that means that we have to reach out, and I hate to use the word aggressively, but meaning that we have to reach out because there's the silent majority who are hurting but won't say anything till it's way too late. Yeah. Right? This is where I think as agents, mortgage brokers, people in our industry have to take a stand and say, you know what, I'm here to help. And if that means I got to talk to a thousand more people to figure out who needs help, because those people are too scared to say anything. They're too embarrassed to come out in, into the public and say, I need help. I don't know what to do. What's the right move, right? Those are the people that we need to help. And those are the people that we actually have to get off our butts, stop worrying about stuff and reach out to as many people as we possibly can, because they're too scared to reach out. I, I agree with you 100%. I think that is a, a very good uh, uh, analogy, to be honest with you, of who needs 
help. We got to reach out to figure out who needs help. And, and that's, that's just the long and short of it is. Uh, and, Human uh, beings, we're scared. We're embarrassed. We don't want to say we need help. We're in trouble, right? But, but why not? Like, what, what, does it, what benefit does it, does it help you if you curl up into a ball and, and don't ask for help? It's, you know, it's, it's Bell Let's Talk Day. Like, there's a whole thing about mental health. And, and if you don't let it out, it, it's, it's going to, you know, overcome you. And especially when you're talking house and finances and mortgages and, and employment. Like, that's the biggest issue for families today. It really is. And if you look at the lineups of the LCBO, I know how we're all dealing with the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, I think that it's imperative that, um, that we do reach out more, that we reach out to people and say, you know, we are here. What are you thinking? Are you okay financially? Do you need to talk about this stuff? Right? Like, is there something, can I, re can I connect you to our mortgage broker? Connect you to someone who can help you? Like, and, 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 and hopefully it comes across and people are doing it the right way. Um, with a servant's attitude, <laughs> not being an ambulance chaser, but. Um, well, and that's it. In our industry, it's, it's finding the right message. And I, I think the people like you and I, um, and a lot of good people I know in this industry, we have the right attitude. And, 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 and I think that's why going forward, you're going to see some of these people get out because they don't understand what serving clients means and serving, serving the public uh, means from, you know, your heart versus your wallet. If you were to start today, would you join a team? Uh, um, would I join a team? Me personally? No, no. I wouldn't. Right. Um, would it have made the learning curve a lot easier? Yeah, but my thing behind it was I'm going to build my name and if it takes me that much longer, I'm going to do it myself because at some point I'm going to learn the skills on a team that I'm going to probably go do it on my own and then I'm going to start at ground zero. I might have been in the business two to three years already at that point and might already had a past client database that's no longer mine. So, you know, I it, the learning process took longer, but I... I came in this industry to not work for anybody. I came in this industry to work for myself. So no, that's who I'm, I am. Uh, I came to, to work by myself. So no, I wouldn't. Got it. Got it. Sounds like you have to know yourself to be in this business. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing um, your thoughts about this business. I appreciate you opening up about your journey in the game of real estate starting off. Um, it's not easy to start with children. I had three when I started. My wife was a single mom while I worked my butt off um, outside the home. And she were, it was very difficult. And I appreciate you. I know how hard that must have been. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, like, everyone thinks it's easy. And, and the good times now that me and my wife have, or we'll go on vacations. And things got a little easier as far as that goes. But it's hard from, from a relationship point of view to miss, all, you know, kids' birthday parties, to miss, uh, you know, on Christmas I was doing deals. Uh, I've done deals where they call me Christmas morning and agents call me Christmas morning because they need something. And it's, you know, my client needs to sell. So I was like, yeah, I'm not, not taking your call. It's tough on relationships. I find like me and my wife have had struggles being hundred percent honest. Um, what you see on the outside is not always what's happening in the background. And uh, you, you with three kids can attest to that. I'm sure where it's like, you know, if the wife had been home with the kids all day and you're out and then you come home and it's like, 
you know, they want help and, and you need to be present there too. So your day doesn't end and their day doesn't end. So it's, it's tough on relationships and family. Uh, you know, I find it as my kids get older, I'm finding my daughter more like daddy, like, why do you have to go? You know, thank you for bringing it up. I don't think enough people talk about this. Um, it was, it was horrendous. I'll be honest with you. We, you know, I remember one night we, cause we came from um, the Southern Ontario market. Um, I remember one night, it was midnight, my wife, we just had our third kid. And I remember sitting there, it was, it was like April freezing rain. And the sellers that we had were just, he didn't want to sell. She wanted to sell. Turns out he was scuttling the deal just because, you know, and I just remember being in my car that night. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I miss so much of my family's life. I don't know if people understand how much work there is in this game because it doesn't end at five. It doesn't end at seven. Sometimes it ends at three o'clock in the morning. And, and that was, um, you know, that was part of the process for us to come up into a new market and start a different type of life up here. Um, which we work just as hard, and, but at yeah. least run home real, real fast now. But um, I, I appreciate you saying that because very few people talk about how painful it is on the family, this type of business. Yeah, I mean, both my kids have, have now grown up with their father full-time in real estate uh, at this point, as much as they can remember, and my wife, and, you know, it, it, is, it is tough. It, it, is, it is tough on both sides of the family, especially if, if your other half works a job not in real estate. And there were points where I was building and my wife had to stay home because it wasn't going to work. Uh, with her, you know, commuting downtown. And, and uh, so now we're getting to a point where like she can go back to work and we're more, we can be more flexible and I have an assistant to take care of stuff so I can try and be home more when it's not like the spring market and uh, everybody wants to do something. Um, if somebody is interested in doing any work with you in the Kleinberg area, what is the best way to reach out to you? I'd say phone number 416-726-3384 and, uh, you know, or nurse at Soul by Nursh, N-I-R-S-H at soulbynursh.com or DM me, look me up on uh, Instagram, nursherule underscore remax. Um, it, you know, there's not a lot of nurses on things. So if you do a Google search, I, I'm pretty sure I come up pretty quick. Liz, I appreciate you sharing your life and sharing some, some amazing information. And I know for sure that some people are going to take what you've said and they're going to apply it and they're going to create some outstanding results in their business. So thank you very much. I wish you nothing but the best of business and family life this year. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm honored that you even have me on and uh, I, I appreciate you and, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best in all your uh, listeners as well. Thank you so much. Have an amazing afternoon. You too, my friend. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. That's peakresultsacademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. 
you need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com call. We'll chat soon.